Hello again, and welcome to Crime in Music. I'm your host, Brian J. Kinsley, and with me as always, my co-host, Ben Rubel. Hey, how you doing, Brian? I am doing well. And today, for those of you who don't know, or if you're a first-time listener to our podcast, we are a true crime podcast. We go and investigate real crimes that happen to actual people, in our case, committed by people in the music industry. Singers, songwriters, dancers, producers, executives. Do we have a lot of dancers on this podcast? I mean, our, I don't know of any dancers like that are famous. Famous dan- Paula Abdul is a famous dancer. She didn't do anything wrong, though. I mean, well, maybe. We don't know yet. Okay, well, I guess we could wait. Anyway, that's what we're going to do here. We're going to break down a musician who uh, rose to fame, had everything they wanted, made some really poor choices in the world of criminal activity, and then we're going to mercilessly make fun of them because that's what you do with bad people. You ready to go? Yeah, I'm ready. Rock All on, right, man. our first one. And we do just want to just reiterate, we're not making fun of the victims here. We're making fun of the stupid decisions of, of people who seemingly had it all. Yeah, the bad people. The bad people. So... Starting off today, Who's, who do we got? Who's first on the docket for the day? I'm Rick James, bitch. <laughs> Rick James. Rick James. This is a good one. This guy is, he's a crazy man. I can't ever think about Rick James without just envisioning Dave Chappelle. That's the only idea I have of Rick James, I think, growing up in our generation. I'm Rick James, right? That is what made him famous again. That's for darn sure. But, man, as we get into it, you'll see that, that he was... I got I'm gonna have to pull up a picture of Rick. James. I don't even. I'm serious. I can't. It's Dave. It's 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 that one thing. I okay. Dang, Rick James. All right. Um, hold on. I'm sorry. Everybody, no, this could be a thing. You just, should be ready to pull. Just stuff hold up. on. I gotta do this real quick. Oh, I make a note. Hey, what's your Wi-Fi password? <laughs> hey Siri, look up Rick James. All right. Hey Siri, look up Rick James. All right. Go ahead, Brian. I'm listening. I, I'm with yeah, you. My, I, yeah. See, it's it's Dave Chappelle. That's the first thing that comes up with Siri, too. All right, whatever. Go ahead. <laughs> I want to hear something about what, what Rick James right. did. I, I, I heard a couple things. That's Jimi Hendrix. There it is. All right, go ahead. You got a lack of focus going here. All right, here we are. Rick James, born February 1st, 1948. Oh. <sighs> you can't do this. You know that, right? <laughs> Okay. Just put it away. All right. Just put it away. Go ahead. I like if you need focus. something, I can just. I'll have a laptop, or I'll have an iPad for you next time. Well, I want a picture of this. I, want, I need a picture on the wall. Of the silence. Guy. All right. Rick James, go ahead. <sighs> I feel like we should almost start again. <laughs> I can do this with Rick James. Here we go. This is Radio <clears throat> Gold. All right. Rick James, born February 1st, 1948. Born James Ambrose Johnson, Jr., uh, for those of you who know anything about true crimes, anytime there's a junior, something bad's going to happen. He's born in Buffalo, New York. I would not guess Buffalo. I feel like he's Southern. Yeah, no, for those who may not be from America, Buffalo is far, far away from New York City, way up in the northern part of the state, basically across from Canada. Yeah, it's cold there a lot, too. I would imagine they still have snow. Uh, that's where Buffalo wings were invented. That's that's the reason to go there, to be honest with you. Uh, a quote on Buffalo from James himself. He said, quote, it's a good place for music, you know, because we have a lot of music there. It's a good place for nice hills and ghettos. The rats are this big. And he holds his hands out about 18 inches. College He's, educated. He seemed to like where he went to. Uh, no, <laughs> hang on. Uh, childhood of, of Rick James. He was born to Mabel and James johnson senior obviously since he's junior he's the third of eight children and raised in a strict catholic home 
wow, Catholic. Who would have figured? I would not have thought that, especially when you see what happens. Uh, he was raised by a single mother. His father left when he was 10. He was an auto worker. Hmm. Where'd, he, where'd, where'd he end up at? No, Dad, that's just you know? all I could find out was that uh, his dad left when he was 10 because he was an auto worker, and that's, you know, they build cars and drive them away, I guess. It's like a Johnny Cash song. <laughs> Uh, his mother was a dancer for a woman named Catherine Dunham, or uh, Kay Dunn as she was known. She was a very famous American dancer, choreographer, author, educator, social activist. We've already gotten a dancer into the podcast. I told you a dancer was coming. She was the most successful dance, uh, had one of the most successful dance careers in American and European history. This girl, Catherine Dunham. That, that that's who his mom worked for? That's who his mom worked for. And what, her, what did she do for her that lady? Like dance? She was a dancer. See, at the height, this woman, Catherine Dunham, uh, in the 40s and 50s, the Washington Post called her Dancer Catherine the Great. I mean, they really thought a lot of her. She started the Catherine Dunham Dance Company. She's the, that's the only self-supported black dance theater troupe at the time. And, and this she, was in Buffalo? This was in, I believe, in, in and around Buffalo and New York City, yes. Okay, well, so all back over and the forth. world. Yeah, I mean, Buffalo's not that far from the city. No, this I mean, woman, uh, Dunham, easily. that she danced for, she innovated the African-American dance, and she invented things called dance anthropology and ethno-choreography, like people really getting into the... That sounds like, like, the, that sounds like stuff people talk about today. Yeah, well, <laughs> I think it is, right, and this is back in the 40s and 50s. She, is she responsible for the, the drum circle? Uh I think the hippies danced around the drum circle. Like oh, people who right. weren't coordinated enough to play drums, I say that as a biased drummer, uh, but then other people can dance. So, Anyway, after James was born, uh, his mother decided that she couldn't keep dancing and traveling around with this huge dance company, so she decided to become a bookie to make ends meet. And uh, she A would female tra- bookie? Oh, yeah, in Buffalo. I she would feel like that's very threatening. <laughs> well, she had her 10-year-old son with her, so... <laughs> Anything gets out of hand. <laughs> he is Rick James, bitch. That's he'll, he'll smack a bitch. Uh, she'd take James on her collecting routes, and it's in the bars when he was doing these collecting routes that he heard super great music for the first time. That's when he was introduced to people like John Coltrane and Etta James and Miles Davis. Um, oh, yeah. I, I was going to say, these are famous musicians from the back, back, back old days there. Um, John Coltrane, saxophone guy, wrote a song called My Favorite Things. You may have heard of that. Mm-hmm. Etta James is a vocalist. Something's got a hold on me, and at last, she was actually uh, Rolling Stone number twenty-two on the top greatest singers of all time, and then Miles Davis. So Rick James is going out to collect book book <laughs> at ten years old with his mother, and yeah. he's and he's seeing the greatest uh, collection of musicians at bars that, that they have. And I'm sure these musicians weren't playing at ten in the morning. No, no. you know they're out at night. I mean, and you put that together. His uncle was a guy named Melvin Franken, Franklin who was uh, the bass vocalist in The Temptations. Really? My Girl, The Way You Do the Thing oh, You Do. They did a little recording in Michigan, I believe. I believe so, because yeah. we get to Motown. We do get to Motown, because, you know, that's that's where James was just at Motown the other day. That is nice. It's, it's Hill USA, baby. That's sweet, dude. I, I like the music industry in Motown. It's good. Uh, James claimed in his autobiography, Glow, that he lost his virginity very early, at age 9 or 10, to a 14-year-old local girl, claiming... His kinky nature came early. At 9 or 10? That's that's what he says. What? I mean, seriously? I don't even know what's going to happen at that point. So I, I don't even know. <laughs> I had a, like, a, like I, I probably had a boner. I didn't know what to do with a boner. I, th- I think you might still be a virgin at that point, even if you have some type of interaction with still with not really sure what girl. to do with boners. <laughs> I love you, honey. He attended uh, Orchard Park High School and Bennett High School before dropping out. So, uh, to go back to your college education question, no. no. Nah. 
At age 14 or 15, I like how it's always sketchy. Everything I found was like 9 or 10, 14 or 15. Well, uh-huh. he wasn't being put on the road, Sometimes. you know, for a straight and laced job working at a, you know, like a little factory or a teacher. He wasn't going to be a, 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 a pillar of the community. Nothing straight laced? No, well, I mean, you drop yeah, out of that's... high school, I guess, and you're collecting book at 10 years old, banging 14-year-old when you're <laughs> 9. <sighs> well, at I age mean, 14 or 15, James joins the Navy Reserves. Uh, he lies about his age to avoid the draft. At that time, it's in New York City at the New York City Naval Yards. He also becomes a drummer for some local jazz groups there. So he's 14, 15, joined the Navy Reserve, got some uh, money coming in, a place to stay, and he's, he's jamming in groups in the city. So he joined the Naval Reserve just to avoid the draft so he didn't have to actually go do anything. Correct. Uh, that's 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 kind of not draft dodging per se, but a nice technical route around, you know. Yeah, it works. I mean, they could have sent him over there. Well, unfortunately, he keeps missing his twice monthly monthly meetings in the reserves. Uh, he's even assigned to the USS Enterprise. Him and Captain Kirk, and he won't go. He skips it to play music. So, what was your favorite Enterprise um, captain? Oh gosh, um, Picard. There's probably. only one answer. It's Picard. It's well, yeah. Kirk is not bad, but. Eh. Picard kind of took it that next level. Yeah, well, he didn't say Janeway. (laughs) Didn't even think about her. Uh, Sorry, ladies. Can we make fun of Janeway? Actually, the worst. Who's the worst? The worst? Um, Boy. Probably Janeway. No, what about that dude? The Quantum Leap guy. Oh, I liked him though. You like Bacula? Yeah, Yeah, man. He was like, because they were Bacula. They were, (laughs) they were fighting to get off the planet, man. The Vulcans didn't want us to go, and he was like, "We're leaving this stupid." All right, back to Rick James. He's on. He's on the Enterprise. uh, Right. Well, he won't. He doesn't show up to practice. Like he won't go. He keeps missing because he's jamming with his bands in the city. So they order him to Vietnam. Oh well. You don't want to come to New York City? We'll send you overseas. Life expectancy for a naval reservist in Vietnam was extraordinary. Yeah, he's probably going to do well. Well, it, he would have been there. I mean, so, all right. Well, it's on a boat. <laughs> sentenced to Vietnam, right? So what's old James do at 15 years old? He flees to Toronto, Canada. <laughs> this guy's I'm a, out. This guy's a piece of work. Oh, Him dude, and he's... Al Gore taking a little boat up to Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> well, in Canada, he meets Neil Young and Joni Mitchell. Oh, wow. Okay. So, yeah, you got Neil Young, Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young, tons of Grammys, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, Joni Mitchell, Big Yellow Taxi, Woodstock, all these songs. Rolling Stone called her one of the greatest songwriters ever. This kid is in his teen years, and he's meeting, like, some of the most influential musicians of all time. Were they influential then? They were kind of at the beginning, No, they, well, they were a little bit beyond that. They're a little, they're, you're just at the tip of this huge waterfall of all these funk, hippie, folk guys about to come taking over. So, uh, to avoid being caught, he goes under the assumed name of Ricky James Matthews in Toronto, and uh, he joins a band called the Mina Birds. M-Y-N-A-H. Mina. Mina Birds. Mina Birds. I don't know what that word is. Uh, well, the Mina Birds uh, are a band that are active from 1964 to 1967 in Toronto, but they never release an album. Um, you had great musicians, though. You got Rick James, you got Neil Young, you got Bruce Palmer, you got Rickman Mason, I mean, these are Neil fo- Young was in the Minor Birds. Yeah, for a little bit. Yeah. I mean, these are folk and rock and funk legends that come out of this group, dude. Hey, what was that band that Neil Young played with? Cra- crazy Horse. There is Crazy Horse. Yeah, isn't it? He did. He, he, he started Crazy them? Horse after a little while. Yeah, he because I think I didn't get into that because it was a little modern, but it's an offshoot of Buffalo Springfield, which is a band that makes them pretty big. Well, Buffalo Springfield was big. Well, right. But well, Crazy Horse was. Do you think bigger? 
Yeah. Oh. I don't think they're anything. I gotcha. All right. I'm, I'm not a Neil Young fan having to play freaking Heart of Gold and all these Neil Young songs that I don't like for as many a, years. It's, it's, as a starting out oh. guitarist, <laughs> you like Neil Young. It's a, two, I got it like G. I got that. Okay. And it's C. You'll have to inter- go back and forth. There you go. What got me once is when a, a rhythm guitar player of ours came into the, one of the bands I was in, and uh, all of a sudden he breaks out a harmonica. And I, and I knew where it was going. Because if you've ever seen Neil Young play harmonica, he essentially just breathes in He's and out. breathing in a, and out. Like, and it's like, come on, man. I, I like, like Neil Young. I still listen to oh, Neil Young. Dude. Uh, well, hey, for those Neil Young fans, I'll apologize. It's not my style, but he can write a hell of a song, and, and he's he's a good lyricist and storyteller. And so. Neil, he's Canadian, so you can't get mad at him for running to Canada. That's where he lived. Oh, yeah, no. He's, think, yeah. he's from there. That's right. But the question is, how did James get to be the Minor Birds bass player? Because they had one when they met. Uh, he, Young James was walking uh, down a thing called Young Street in, in Canada, and these guys jumped him like he's just some kid walking down a back alley and these dudes jumped him that happens it it can uh, it happened to me it would, wow all right i'm getting personal here yeah now. well i mean it was on halloween so, dude, dudes just come wheeling out of that the, that happens i'm just saying i'm not mad him. about it i'm just saying it he's a musician get him uh so anyway these two musicians levon helm and garth hudson of levon and the hawks jump out and save james they're like bro uh, we're gonna help you out here so you got garth and levon they take the shaking up james to a local bar james is like i know i was just getting the shit kicked out of me he jumps up on stage starts playing bass with the band the group loves him except probably their current bass player like, the- <laughs> who's this kid playing my bass and why why aren't you guys stopping him so uh at that point they renamed themselves the sailor boys so now he's stolen the bass job from the minor birds and changed their name all from getting mugged and beat up on the street corner. They named him. The, uh, he's now avoiding the draft. Yes. Avoiding going on a boat, and he's in a band called the Sailor Boys. That's correct. All right. Uh, this is all in Toronto. He built quite a rep for himself in the Toronto music scene. Uh, he meets a local celebrity named Shirley Matthews, and uh, she learns about him being a fugitive and suggests he changes his name. So at some point, they, he changes his name to i want to say it's like ricky james matthews and then they change their name from the sailor boys back to the minor birds all to try and fake out the navy there's a lot uh, that 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 seems like really hard to remember if you're back in the day i'm sure they're doing drugs and stuff drinking hanging out at bars this guy doesn't sound like he was you know had a lot of moral compass going on oh there's gonna be some drug use here in a little bit i don't think he actually you, you has mean, had a clear, clear thought what he got some drugs here uh, <laughs> I'm missing something. It is a studio. Oh, you meant in the story. All right. So the Minor Birds lineup changes a bunch. I mean, at one point, they had Nick St. Nicholas of Steppenwolf, if you remember Steppenwolf. He he was in the Minor Birds, too. Wow. Like, like Rick James is just swimming in this sea of talent. It's kind of like if they would have filmed it, it would have been the rated R version of Forrest Gump here. I mean, he's just kind of going around. (laughs) Oh, it gets better. It's a run, James, run. We'll come up in a bit. Uh, They travel to Detroit, Motown, obviously, and James meets Marvin Gaye and Stevie Wonder. So why not? Why not? (laughs) You're just hanging with royalty. Meet Stevie Wonder, and uh, he goes, hello, uh, I'm Ricky James Matthews. And Stevie Wonder immediately goes, your name's too long. So he shortened it to Ricky James. So you can <laughs> thank Stevie Wonder. He's like, I'm not saying all that, Ricky James Matthews. Uh, no, nobody Ricky ever James. really called him Steve, did he? Like, I don't think his name was ever Steve. Nobody said Steve. No, Stevie. I mean, 
we call he said Ricky James. Not everybody knows him as Rick James. Nobody ever calls him Steve Wonder. Oh, he we did. get there. No, I don't think he's ever been Steve Wonder. Steve Wonder. No. Like, like I, he's a little uh, no. kid, just like Steve. if you if you went up to somebody on the street and said, "Hey, who's Steve Wonder?" They'd, they'd have to think about it. But if you, "Hey, who's Stevie Wonder?" You, you know who Stevie Wonder is. Steve Steve Wonder does he play for the Pistons? <laughs> <laughs> right now, nobody's playing for the Pistons. They're on break. Yeah. Oh well. Yeah. Sure. Uh, so, okay, we're in 1966, we're in Motown, James gets into a dispute with the Minor Birds money handler, Maury Shellman. Now, he's like, I'm not getting paid, I should be getting paid. What, what was the guy's last name? Maury Shellman. Alright, I can see, he's probably got a point, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he manages their money extremely well, alright, we'll just... So Maury tells Motown about James' fugitive status with the Navy. He's like, hey, man, you're going to come at me. Oh, wow. I'm going to turn you in and tell you tell people who you are. <laughs> That's a dick move. So, well, it, don't fuck with the showman. Uh, so the Motown's executives tell James that they won't release any more of the material until he resolves the issue with the Navy. And so Drain, uh, James surrenders himself to the FBI. And in May 1966, he's sentenced to five months hard labor by the Navy. He wasn't even 19 yet. Uh, shalom. <laughs> Oh, dude. So, you get sentenced. You're not even 19. He's six weeks into his sentence. Guess what happens? He skips. He escapes the brig at the New York <laughs> Naval Detention Center. After six months on the lam, he surrenders himself for a second time. <laughs> wonder what he did for those six months. That's they, No one will tell you anything. I researched that from every site and article I could find. He just says, on the lam. So, oh, he's probably staying he's low. Out eating there, eat, yeah. getting euros or something. He's on the lam euros uh and that made a lamb meat oh yeah good one not if i had to explain it to you it wasn't that good (laughs) all right so now uh, with the help of his friends his mother his cousin for some reason a congressman a retired marine captain all of these people pled on james behalf and they got his sentence knocked down from five potentially five years of hard labor to five months Wow. These are music fans right here. They're like, you can't lock him up. No. And then what's his cousin doing? Why is his cousin there? Well, he wasn't that popular at this point. No, he's not even. He's 19 yeah. now. I mean, he's no Michael Jackson. He's not OJ. He's Ricky James. He's not even Rick James yet. So, I mean, people just love this guy. All right. On August 1967, James is released from Portsmouth Naval Prison. Notice they moved him from New York, where he escaped before. Yeah, well. <laughs> Fool me s- once, shame <laughs> on me. Uh, he returns to Toronto, gets back in the Minor Birds again. So he's all he's all up with the the the, the government's not looking for him. He's not on the lam. Yeah, I don't think he's, he's a, a free and clear. Anymore. He can go back and forth from. Okay, right. So he's, he's, he's no longer on the lam. Paid his debt. And quote so, uh, 1968, we got. As Ricky Matthews, he starts writing songs for Motown acts, like the Miracles and the Spinners and Bobby Taylor, the Vancouver's. That was back when they were just churning out. Oh, just Motown churning out rot vinyl. Just, yep. Just Barry Gordy, just pulling didn't that care. crank didn't, making just, that money. Yeah, and some of it turned out all right. The Bobby Taylor and the Vancouver's have a hit, Melinda, that James wrote. And at the time in the music business, people aren't always given credit to the actual authors of the music. So they never get any money. And so James briefly gets involved in what he calls pimp activities. Because, you know, he had to pay the bills. Pimp activity. Pimp activity. Can I look in, that up on my iPhone? I, hey, no. Siri, what does pimp activity entail? <laughs> oh, Lord, you just enacted a cascade of searches. Oh. <laughs> this is bad. <laughs> What's happening? Technical issues. Um, okay, so but he stopped the pimp activity. 
Continue. I'm curious about Siri's uh, thoughts on pimp activity. Uh, No, he stopped. He felt he wasn't qualified for it because of the harsh activity and the abuse of women. (laughs) Trust me. So at some point, he had a conscience. Yeah, no, yeah, that doesn't last long. Uh, Summer of 1969, he moves to L.A. under the name Terry Johnson. Dick. I don't know if I could keep all these names straight I know. in my head. Like, what am I I mean, you're walking myself? down the road and somebody's like, hey, Ricky, J- J- Terry Johnson. You're like, they got to be talking to me. <laughs> so once he's in California, he's got several projects going on. Uh, one people may recognize it's called Salt, Peppa, and Cocaine. Um, another one is uh, the Bruce Palmer solo album. That's a friend of his. They get into doing a lot of music together. Uh, the group Heaven and Earth. He, he starts managing another group called Hot Lips. Um, he's, well, so he's, how old is he at this time? Uh, he's got to be somewhere in his 20s. Uh, and mean, his last great one is the Great White Cane. So between Salt, Peppa, and Cocaine and Great White Cane, I think we're seeing a little bit of foreshadowing of what's to, what's to come. I mean, old boy's been moving around a lot. He has not settled down with one band for any particular amount of time. Well, in his whole life, I mean, and, he's been popping And around. he's a good musician. He's apparently one of the best bass players just right. to come up off the street. So there's got to be a lot of natural talent there for everything that he is or isn't. Not having a lot of time to stick with one band, you know, hone your craft, get into it. He's just going up there and wailing. Yeah, I mean, he's he's just a, a, a grip I mean, it and rip it type the t- of guy. Yeah, between the time he spent hiding from the Navy and uh, <laughs> hanging out with Neil Young, I mean, he doesn't have a lot of time. You're not doing a lot else. No, I mean, it's only got four strings. Tripping around, you got to collect those book money with your mom. I mean, bass guitarists. All you got to really do is look pissed all the time. Four strings, four fingers. I'm good to go. All right, 1973 comes around, and uh, James signs with A&M Records, where he first uses the name Rick James. Uh, he's, and he's got one song that made a club hit in Europe called My Mama. Hmm. No, no, no. Have I ever heard that song? Y- you may have. Honest to God, once my lawyer gets back to me, I think we'll be able to play some clips of songs while we're doing this. Yeah, just so. a little bit of a, a sound. Like, as much as they let you have yeah, on, like, yeah. on the, no, on the iTunes as, store. <laughs> as long as we're doing this for uh, parody and comedic effects, I think we're covered for fair use argument. Yeah, we'll give, you, we'll give you 50% of all the money we make on this podcast, Rick. Uh, yeah. <laughs> He's dead. So, luckily, oh, spoilers. Oh, don't skip ahead. <laughs> so, sorry. Uh, all right, 1976, James returns to Buffalo, New York, and phone, forms a band called Stone City Band and records Get Up and Dance, his, uh, his second single. Now, again, you're noticing you're not recognizing most of these songs. No, so. no, but a lot of that old music, you don't recognize the names as much as you, you hear the tune. Well, I was under five at this time, so I don't remember most of this, and I'm sure my parents weren't letting me listen to Rick James. Now, I don't think, I'm, yeah, I bet my old man has a few albums. <laughs> April 1978, he releases his debut solo album, Come Get It. It includes the hit singles You and I and Mary Jane. Mm, all right. Uh, the album sold two million copies, launching James into musical stardom. So I wonder if two million copies back then that seems like a lot for nineteen seventy eight. That'd be a hell of a lot of copies, yeah. man. I mean, you got to remember they don't have the communication we did here. They had to play it on the radio. You they had, had to, to get it, it on the radio. You had to hear it at that time of day, and then yeah. I mean, that, you had I mean, to take your album to radio stations, you know, from city to city. Oh yeah, yeah. There's nobody just to play at CBS. Hey, here you go. Listen to this. All right, we'll put it on seven thousand stations. Yeah, it wasn't downloading songs or like you know using my rotary dial phone to call up to listen to it. You know, so. Uh, 1979, he gets his second album, Busting Out of L7, sold 2 million copies. Busting Out of L7. I get, uh, What's if, that if mean? If you do the L and the 7, it makes a square with your fingers. Oh. So uh, you want to you wanna make sure that's you're not being a nerd, I guess. James was, was not square. 
Okay, I like that. That's cool. The third album, Fired It Up, Fired Up, went gold. During that tour, uh, he had an up-and-comer open for him named Prince. Little, oh, I've heard purple, of that guy. Little purple guy out of Minnesota. Uh, James developed a bit of rivalry with Prince, saying he's ripping off his act. It's like, you're talking about sex and, and the women and stuff, and that's my gig. That's, that's <laughs> what I do. Yeah, but Prince could wail. Uh, Prince uh, could wail. I imagine that that backstage is probably interesting with Rick James and Prince hanging around. <laughs> <laughs> and that was back in the days of Jerry Curl. So oh, I mean, dude. how greasy is all that shit getting? Yeah, you got to throw those couches out, guys. Those aren't. It's out. Soul Glow. <laughs> the fourth album, a very ballad heavy uh, 1981 fourth album, Garden of Love. That also goes gold. The best selling album he ever had, though, was a song called, or a uh, uh, record called Street Songs, which had Give It To Me Baby and Super Freak on it. So yeah, yeah. Now, uh, now we're getting to songs we've all heard of. Now, now you're into it, right? The '80s is when he starts really, really picking up. So uh, he gets jealous of Prince because Prince is um, producing other bands and stuff at the time. Like the time, if you know Michael, J- do you remember the time? Mm-hmm. Prince, Prince was their producer. He also had a band that he was making called Vanity Six, and uh, James got jealous of that. So he starts producing his own acts and groups, like the Mary Jane Girls. Um, he did a temptation song that he did he did a duo with Smokey robinson and uh one of my favorites if you remember my girl wants to party all the time party wow all that the brings time. me back to party some early 80s feelings time. eddie murphy he teamed up with eddie murphy to do party all the time and 1985 that same year he appears on the a team with isaac hayes shaft he he was Just on talking the, about shaft he was on the a team with shaft yes on the show the a team on the a team That'll do, that'll do, donkey. He, well, you know, he knows he's a fugitive from justice, so he can really get into that character. What episode was it? I, I you know what? That's poor research can on we, my part. Can we I stop everything and go watch a show? <laughs> it's on the Netflix. Do you want to? Is that going to do it? <laughs> can we Can we just pop it up on the computer? All right. Is this going to distract you? I'm going to be distracted. Damn it. All right. Give me a second here. This is a quote from James himself at this point in time. Um, quote, you smoke a joint, you write a song, and the next thing you know, you got a check in the mail. Hmm. He's on the top, man. He, hey, he, I guess I, I've never tried. He's at the, the, the top of his, his career. And, and when was that quote? When did he have that quote? Oh, gee, in 1985. So in the mid-'80s, this dude is, he's he's not, I mean, he's no prince, apparently. He's pissed about that, but he's on top of he's on top of the game. He's on the mountain. He's he's Rick James, bitch. He's Rick James. You are correct. This is the point and where. And this is where. He's arrived, making money. Well, he gets a little bit of more money here coming up. See, in 1989, we skip a couple years. He's got his 11th album coming out, kicking it. I mean, he's still collecting royalties from all the old stuff. Oh yeah, Because he's yeah. becoming more and more popular. And it's funny you say that because kicking it was only released in the in the UK, so he didn't do that. In 1990, he loses his deal with Warner Brother Records, but he successfully sues MC Hammer for "You Can't Touch This," which heavily samples the opening riff from Super Freak. Oh, wow. And not only did he win a bunch of money in the case, he also got, his name was put on for the best Grammy for uh, the best R&B song that year also. For for that song. For MC Hammer's song. You had to split the writing credits with him. Did did Vanilla Ice ever have to pay Queen anything? No, because it goes dun, 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 dun. And uh, the Vanilla Ice goes dun, 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 dun. So it's completely different. (laughs) Don't worry about that. All right. 1997 rolls around. James releases his last album, well, what will be his last album, called Urban Rhapsody. And uh, the question is, where's he been for those number of years between 89 and 97? You got a couple years in there where he was serving uh, time in prison for assault. 
So that's an assault, but uh. Yeah, and then 1998. Oh, for assault. Well, who what was it? What, who do you assault? Well, they they've sealed that, I believe. For real, it is. <laughs> yeah, I could not find that, and uh, I don't think my FOIA release is going to get here in time. So, he just he just serves time for assaulting someone. So right. you know, he's so he's gone from getting beat up on the streets to, to beating people beating up, on beating the people streets. up, and he wasn't he wasn't cut out for the pimp life. No, no, no. It was too harsh for him. You don't want to you don't want to hurt people. 1998 suffers a minor stroke during a concert. Hmm. I'm a super freak. <laughs> so uh, what I was, really wouldn't think it changes act all that much. Well, what was happening is he was spending seven thousand dollars a week on his cocaine addiction. Wow! Wow! So if I've done my math right, five yeah. years at a cocaine addiction, seven thousand dollars, and that's like three hundred sixty-four thousand yeah, dollars on yeah. cocaine. Yeah, he's quite the barcode there, full of lines all day. Oh wow! Nice. Heard that thing. Uh, quote about James from a former business partner of his was uh, at this time. It was Drug City. There were pipes and bongs everywhere, and women in all shapes and sizes and colors were running through the place. I never saw him without a joint in one hand and a bottle of champagne in the other. Oh, back then though, I mean, cocaine was cocaine. It was just everybody with their drawers of it. You didn't go into any record label that didn't have drawers of drugs. Every radio station just there was the drawer of drugs. I mean, then it was drugs, man. I just like how he has women of all shapes and sizes and colors. I mean, you know, back back in the eighties, I don't I don't think it was all like that inclusive at that time. You know, no, so, whatever. Get your freak. Out. I like it. Well, he is the super freak. That's all shapes and sizes. So here we go. During a week long cocaine binge in July of nineteen ninety one, James and his future wife Tanya Hijazi are accused of holding a twenty four year old lady, Frances Alley, hostage. Uh, they meet her at a party. She's unemployed at the time, and they're like, hey, we'll help you out. Why don't you come stay at our house? And do a lot of drugs. Uh, not voluntarily, but yes. James threatens her with a gun, and she said, I'm going to shoot you in the face if you try and leave. Um, the accounts vary. She was held for around six days, they say. Well, uh, is this a story that's out there? Like, what in the f- uh, what oh, are you doing for six days? Like, was it some sexual escapade they're having going on? Oh, we're getting there. Uh, he and Hijazi tied her up and burned her about 20 times, they say, on the abdomen and the legs and stuff with a hot crack pipe. Uh, they sexually abuse her. They force her to smoke crack also. And um, Oh, that sounds bad. They let her go. She ends up at Cedar sinai Hospital, and people at Cedar sinai are a little suspicious, like, hey, you got all these crack pipe burns on you, and you seem to be whacked out of your mind. So they call the cops. Well, what does a crack pipe burn look like? I mean, are they identified like, oh, that's a crack pipe. That's not a cigarette burn. It's not a, from a iron. It's a crack pipe. Well, everything I read specifically had two things. It said she was burned with the hot end of a crack pipe because you can't burn someone with the cold end. No, it's like and the then, last place you look, you found it. Well, no shit. I'm going to keep looking. It's a hot end of the crack pipe. And then it always said about 20 times around the abdomen and, and legs. So that's, I, I don't know. It's kind of mean. There was some other things uh, going on in there, but... This uh, is why you don't do drugs, children. Drugs are bad. At least hard drugs. 1993, while out on bail for that incident, James, under the influence of cocaine, assaults music executive Mary Sauger at the St. James Club and Hotel in West Hollywood. Was the St. James Club, like, in his name or just... I think that was just coincidental. Okay. So, uh, because definitely this man is not a saint. Uh, She claims that uh, she met James and... Hijazi for uh, his soon-to-be wife again for a meeting, but then the two kidnapped her and beat her over a 20-hour period. Did this lady know who Rick James was before? Yeah, she's a music executive. So, I mean, you're in the biz. You've heard of Rick James. He's popular. He's rich. He's kind of on bail. You know this. This is, I mean, for 
kidnapping somebody. I mean, she... And she's still, like, hanging around with Rick James. Right. All right. I get it. <laughs> 1994, James is found guilty in both of those offenses. Uh, he was cleared of torture uh, with the crack pipe, though, because that could have given him, like, a life sentence. He would have been done if he got convicted of torture. So uh, he serves two years at Folsom, Folsom Prison, and uh, he lost a civil suit to the music executive, Sauger, for $2 million bucks. So what's not going up his nose is going into her pocket. Uh, apparently, yeah. So just right from so he was in he was in he was in Huskow uh, for two years. Yep. It's hard to keep up a good coke addict, you know, or, or, or cocaine addiction during that time. I you, imagine you think That's it's hard. hard. You think it's hard to get drugs in prison? Well, cocaine. Well, I would think that that amount of cocaine, just physically that much cocaine. Some drugs are, you know, you don't have to true. take as many. Uh, one these days, you take one or two pills a day, and that's easy to sneak in. But cocaine, you're doing. A lot and of he was doing seven thousand dollars a week. I yeah. mean, that's a lot. Do I think it's hard to get drugs in prison? I don't know. I think you just have to buy them, right? I don't want to find out. No. Prison All right. Nineteen ninety-six. James is released from prison, uh, and then nineteen ninety-eight. So two years off of that, James is accused of sexually assaulting a twenty-six-year-old woman. Oh although, wow, this guy's just going downhill. Although the charges were dropped there. So uh, from what I kind of read, yeah, he yeah, kind of got the payola. So yeah. Now I, w- we ju- I wonder how much the payola was. Oh, it's got, I mean, $2 million for the executive in the civil suit. Well, that's what so. she got awarded. Right. You got but a, if you pay them off early, like to a tune of $130,000, it depends on keep what their mouth shut for a little the while. assault was. I mean, how creepy did he get? That's the thing. Well, I mean, for one hundred and thirty grand, I think you can probably get a porn star to keep her mouth shut. Oh, wait. Never mind. Wow. Topical. <clears throat> so uh, in 2004... James, he's been out of the public eye for a while. He participates in a sketch comedy on the Chappelle show called Charlie Murphy's True Hollywood Stories. And in that sketch, that's where James is played by Dave Chappelle, says the the famous catchphrase we started off with, I'm Rick James, bitch. (laughs) Now, do you know where that came from? No, I'm the Dave Chappelle show. Rick James was at an award show, and he was backstage getting ready to go, and he saw this young girl, and he's like, hey, how you doing? Like, his line for picking up chicks was, Hi, I'm Rick James. And Dude, like, if I oh could get God. somebody to be like, hey, I'm Ben Ruppel, and jump on this. I'm, <laughs> I'm so, a Ben Ruppel, bitch! Now, allegedly, the woman backstage was like, nah, I don't believe you. You're not Rick James. Why would you be do you? Look at you. You're not Rick James. And he's like, whatever. I'm telling you, I'm Rick James. And she's like, nah. So then he goes out and presents an award, and uh, he's like, and for that young lady backstage, uh, you didn't know who I was? I'm Rick James, bitch. And then he just drops the mic and walks off, and that's where that started. Now, rumor had it that somebody said that girl was Beyonce, but I couldn't confirm that. Everybody's I've like, heard, that's I've heard stupid. that story. I, now, I guess now that you, so. I've heard you tell her just now, I've heard that story. Like, right. that person was a famous person. Yeah, I wouldn't, no, I wouldn't have guessed Beyonce or whatever, but. I, I could not confirm it was Beyonce, but regardless. Can we get her in here next and episode? If and she, just maybe as a guest speaker. If she goes off the rails, maybe. Oh, oh we, she can talk about Rick James and see if that was yeah, her. Yeah, we'll get yeah. Queen Bee in here. I'm good with that. So uh, now we're on the Chappelle show. James and Murphy recount stories of Rick James' past. Um, probably not the ones where he's holding people against their will and burning, burning them with, with crack, crack pipes. pipes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, later, J- Rick James explains his behavior. Quote, cocaine is a hell of a drug. <laughs> <laughs> all right all right that brings us finally this asshole august 6 2004 james is found dead in his la home by a caretaker in the oakwood toluca hills apartments 2004 yep 2004. i guess i i would have guessed he'd died before that 
but I guess 2004 is a long time ago. It's a bit. I mean, I'm getting out of that when people go 10 years ago and I think of the 90s, you know. Like, grunge has been dead for 20 years. So. Yeah, that's classic rock now. <laughs> it should be. Uh, he died from pulmonary failure and cardiac arrest. Go figure. Huh. Associated <laughs> Rick with James is a hell of a drug. <laughs> Rick James is a hell of a drug. Associated with diabetes, a stroke, a pacemaker, and a heart attack that he had, all had had around that time. And uh, the autopsy found, and I'm going to pronounce or mispronounce a lot of these, so just bear with me. Alprozolam, diazepam, bropopicanol, cytolopram, hydrocodone, I've heard of that one, digoxin, chlorophenitramine, meth and coke. And uh, the coroner stated, though, none of these drugs or a combination of drugs were found at levels to be life-threatening. And then I added to Rick James at the end. <laughs> So apparently he had Michael Jackson's doctor, huh? I, I must have, man, or Heath Ledger's. Uh, James is buried in Buffalo, New York. Engraved on his headstone are lyrics from his track "Taste." I've had it all. I've done it all. I've seen it all. It's all about love. God is love. And if that's love of cocaine, I think you might be right. <laughs> he sounds like a very loving man. Oh fuck that guy! I had no idea it was like that, but that is Rick James. Well, ladies I mean, and he's gentlemen. A, everybody's heard of Super Freak, and everybody's heard of Rick James. And yeah, Chappelle brought his name back there for a minute. Um, I think there's a lot of people out there that don't know the story of Rick James. And gosh, I didn't know that he was burning a chick in his house. He was keeping captive, tying her up, duct tape, whatever he was doing with a crack pipe. I'm not saying it would be better if he was burning her with something else, but putting a crack pipe to somebody's oh. ass is even, I mean, that's that's a certain level of wrong right there. That's what I'm saying, man. That's that's what crime and music is all about. We're going to let people know what the hell all these rich, privileged assholes were doing. And, uh, man. Yeah, what, but you think Rick James sounds like dick. he had a rough time coming up. He wasn't necessarily an asshole back then. He was just he was brought up in in the bars, man, and yeah. and being someone who played in bars for a lot of years, there's not a lot of happy people hanging out in bars to, all day. I don't want to try to give this guy an excuse, but a lot of musicians do come up through that 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 machine from a very young and impressionable age, and they don't necessarily develop into the person they would have if they hadn't been brought up in that machine. I'm not saying Rick James was uh, innocent because of the past he had because he sounds like he was kind of a bad dude from the beginning but you got to think maybe because he did come up and he's doing these tours he's going on stage bands um cocaine was probably a great tool to keep you awake going to the next one the next one the next one i mean you hear a million different musicians saying yeah i had to do drugs i had to do a concert every night i had to get on a bus every day drive for seven hours sometimes driving your own bus and you get and and, and you get a little bit too much drugs in you and next thing you know you're <laughs> burning somebody's ass with a crack pipe. I mean, he didn't really have too much of a shot. Hanging out with those old jazz guys and then hanging out with, like, Neil Young and all those dudes in Canada and Toronto and the hippies. And yeah, it's but just I, like, you're, you're going to be surrounded by that. And at such a young age, he thought that was normal, you know? Like, coming up with his mom, he assumed all of that stuff was normal. Just like, oh, we go to the club and we get all cracked out and then you go play music and then whatever happens, happens. On to the next city. I think... And this sounds weird, I mean, to say, but maybe he should have just kept hanging out with Neil Young. Because <laughs> Neil Young's still around today. He's having a great time. He should have stayed in the Navy. We're really trying to save people. <laughs> yeah, he but just he wouldn't be talking up. about Rick James. He would not. He would probably let a normal. Did he ever have any kids? 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got kids and some ex-wives and things like yeah, that. Yeah, I got... didn't. I didn't want to bring them into it because he turns into an asshole pretty quick there from like the '80s down, and it's like they're trying to probably live on the good times of Rick James, and I don't. I didn't want to like shit on their dad basically even though he's a shitty person well i just was curious you know i mean guys like this go out and they sow their seed many many times i'm sure he's got a few kids eating you may not even know about uh, he might not i mean on a coke-filled rager you know who knows how many other women did he have kidnapped that never really got out and they got pregos oh i was like my total was three or four potentially that was his thing <laughs> so it's like he he almost kidnapped as many women as he did uh, flee from the federal government in the navy <laughs> Now, who was the – it wasn't Rick James that had the – he was on a video or on audio where he's like he, he was banging some chick. I do and, not know this And story. in the middle of it, – maybe it was Chuck Berry. Small my fault, baby. Was that oh, – I think that That's was Chuck, Chuck Berry. Berry. <laughs> Chuck Berry's got a whole other thing because in researching these things, you come across other musicians. And, yeah, he was like – trafficking young girls across state lines and stuff Chuck Berry yeah way back in the day so if you could like hang out with three people in history you know you'd always pick like some three what if you had to like pick out three people to hang out in history for your worst you know enemy so maybe like Chuck Berry (laughs) Rick James and uh, Ike Turner (laughs) I'm assuming your worst enemy is a woman well most are aren't they (laughs) wow so Rick James he's now he's he's buried in the buffalo, and uh, I wonder if people go visit his grave. I'm sure that are you know. I mean, are there a lot of Rick James fans out there? I mean, you, you go to you go to where where's uh, what's his name from the Doors buried over there in France? Yeah, Morrison. that's a shrine. That is a shrine. Here's a funny one since you threw it out there. I mean, so Rick, Rick James is in L.A. It's 1968, and he's living with uh, I think it's Bruce Palmer again or something like that. And Rick James wakes up in the morning, and there's this hippie sitting in the lotus position, you know, with his legs crossed, like like meditating in the middle of their living room. And uh, the next thing you know, there's just blood streaming from this hippie's freaking uh, wrists. And Rick James is like, what the hell is going on here? Who's this asshole? Turns out it was Jim Morrison. And he just, he's like cut himself all up and he's bleeding. So Rick James is holding gauze onto his wrist and they get him to the hospital. Rick James saved Jim Morrison's life. Wow. That's weird. Because Morrison was all, I don't know if it was crack or... I don't know. Whatever. Uh, Morrison LC, did a lot LSD of the LSD. Or, yeah, he has yeah. more of a psychedelic drug so. dude, it seems like. Oh. Yeah, but it's funny. Again, Rick James, man, it's it's he's the Kevin Bacon of music. Like everybody is within a step or two of Rick James. I I I'm going with Forrest Gump music. I mean, he was out there mixing it up with a million different people. Snort Rick Snort. I mean, not run run Forrest Run. He's <laughs> snort, got a Rick snort. snort Rick Snort. Yeah, so Rick James, wow. So that's that's the podcast, folks. That's that's how it goes here. If you have any suggestions for other musicians or people in the music business we should do, um, I would love to hear from that. Get a hold of us at Crime and Music on Twitter. And if you want to talk to me directly, it's at Brian J. Kinsley. What'd you, th- what'd you think? This is good. I think it was fun. We got a lot of, lot of, lot of in- interesting and nifty information about Rick James. Bitch.